Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, we're talking about artificial intelligence. As a matter of fact, I am not Marina right now. This is AI capture of my voice, haha. Help me welcome new friend to the show, Ant Pruitt. Ant Pruitt is a freelance digital content creator. What does this mean? It's someone who loves to snap photographs, but also enjoys shooting videos and writing. When Ant is not capturing freelance content, He's performing daily duties as a host, producer, and community manager at Twit TV, the podcast network focused on providing news around the world of consumer technology and geek culture. And welcome back my funny friend, Von DiCarlo. Von DiCarlo is a New York-bred stand-up comedian, producer, writer, and actress now living in California. Von has most recently performed in Australia for the Humankind Festival. Additional appearances include HBO's Pause with Sam J. Laugh Mobs Laugh tracks on True TV and HBO Max. Check out Von's debut comedy album, A Draggable Offense, available on all major platforms as well as on the She's So Funny and Laugh Out Loud radio stations on Sirius XM. Look out for Von in the upcoming rom-com, Switch Up and in the indie film, Salesman, currently on Amazon Prime. You can hear us on Google Podcasts Now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and make sure you turn on the auto-download function for Friends Like Us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail.com, Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast, and Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation by going to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon, Friends Like Us. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. It's because of you we keep going. And now for our golden friends, you have the option to watch our recordings live backstage. Go to Patreon backslash Friends Like Us and be golden. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, face masks, and tank tops. All available. Go to marinafranklin.com. Weekly, on my YouTube channel, I go live with my friends Evelyn Frick and that wacky guy David Juskow. We give updates to the show, shout out fans who leave reviews, and we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by, and sometimes we offer free stuff, like tickets to comedy shows. And with friends like us, it will help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way. Tell a friend you know to check us out. Stay safe, wash those dirty little hands, be nice, and Black Lives Matter. And welcome to Friends Like Us. I'm Marina Franklin, here for you. I've got Von Carlo. she's one of my closest friends. I would even go so far as say, she's a best friend! She's... <laughs> I didn't know you had a theme song, this is great. And we got Aunt Pruitt, he's going to talk about AI. AI can be your friend if you let it. And he also is a listener and a fan of the show. Thank you, Ink Pruitt, for being here today. Yeah. I am Woo! beside myself. Oh, it's <laughs> Marina, stop. <laughs> <laughs> the shenanigans begins. Oh, congratulations your on your new theme song, Marina. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> I'm so excited. You're welcome. It's so good to have you, Vaughn. You uh, uh, were stop, drop, and roll. We talked about it actually on one of the episodes during the California hurricane or whatever was happening out there that wasn't so bad. You said the alert system said to stop. Yes, I didn't post that yet. Oh, I said it, but I did do it on stage too. I haven't posted that bit yet. But <laughs> yeah, it, the, it said cover, hold on. 
So I'm like, to what? It, did you just tell me to stop dropping roll during an earthquake? I didn't know what to do. It was my first experience. It was amazing. It was really just a quake, but it was a hurricane. That's what people were calling it because of the whole hurricane slash earthquake. But it was my first earthquake experience. And a lot of people on my Instagram and social media were also saying, you got what you asked for, because that's another thing I have been doing on stage because I moved to California during all the rainy months. And I just didn't mm. know that it was so cold and raining in Southern California. I'm like, the overcast California got to go. <laughs> Give me the earthquake that I deserve. And then I got it. And it was amazing. <laughs> it was a great experience. <laughs> and I know that sounds weird. Because earthquakes are dangerous, but it's amazing to feel our earth move. I'm an earth girl, okay? I meditate every morning. It was great to feel Mother Earth in motion. No one died. It wasn't a big one. It felt very euphoric, and, and, and I felt motion sickness a little bit. <laughs> Have you been in an earthquake before? I had my first earthquake a handful of months ago here in Northern California. I'm up here in uh, Sonoma County. Two or no, it wasn't like, that big. wasn't that big. I think it was four or something. And it, it freaked me out. I was, it, really? The, the world moving, the ground moving. And what I remember the most is the sound. I'm just sitting here at my desk working. And I heard this sound, this rumble, the oh. way they do it in the theaters. Right. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute, this is real. And my lights are shaking and all of that. And it, yeah. I'm not saying I wasn't freaked out. I'm not saying I wasn't freaked out. Don't get me wrong. It was a very surreal experience. But right. the internal butterflies, all the euphoric, the weariness of it, it felt like a Disney ride to me. But after I realized I was safe. Now, during it, that's why I grabbed my phone to look at the emergency alert. Like, what do I do? And they told me to shake it like a salt shaker. It, it, I swear it was a hashtag. It says shake alert. I swear. Do you think they need <laughs> to update like, those alerts? They need to yes. update it, right? Yes. I, as a matter of fact, you're, I got to remember to post this because I was that I talked about. I was like, who's in charge of the emergency alert <laughs> text? <laughs> it has to be a Gen Z person that's going to twerk their way through tragedy. Because I'm like, did you just? So what true. are you telling me to do? I actually so logged true. on an Instagram and a person in my comments told me to uh, get in a doorway. And I was like, that makes sense. Well, if it's yeah, low, though. No, I don't know. Supposedly that's doorway, the worst no, idea. That's not good. Oh, they were trying to kill me? See, I... <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that was the old thinking. Now you're supposed to get up under like a, a hard surface, like a table, something that's going to protect your head. Um, the doorway made sense umpteen years ago, but not anymore. Oh, well, I got to update my following on Instagram and my information as well, because it makes sense to me. And I did get in the doorway and I was like, well, why didn't the, the emergency alert people know to why there were no instructions? It's, it literally said cover, drop, hold on, shake alert. And I was like, what? am I <laughs> this wrong? Is but the I emergency thought, alert? I thought you were supposed to leave like. Because I stayed in, I used to go to California every summer and stay with my uncle for years. And the first earthquake I experienced, I was asleep as a teenager. And I remember thinking in my dream, why is the bed moving? And then yeah. I woke up and I go, that's not a good thought. And then I realized, oh, the whole building's shaking. So then I realized, oh, I think you're supposed to leave buildings that are high. Because I was in the Marina City Tower. Not to brag. 
La dee da. And Marina Del Rey. <laughs> yeah, it was he's he's good. Um, what you know, I just thought like Spawn, if you're in a building and you're up a couple of flights, you should probably leave the building, right? This is another thing that I questioned. I was in a bed when it happened. And the ironic thing about my bed, I have a massager on my bed. So at first I was like, I thought I rolled over on the remote control. And then I realized the remote control was in my drawer. And I was like, oh, there's, there were no instructions. I literally- Can you do that sound one more time for audio? Sure. I was in my bed. No, you said. Now we're going to do all live again. But I was like, that's. I literally, I was in. I've made that sound in my bed before. You just have never been in my bed. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that sound. (laughs) There were no instructions. Yeah, <laughs> baby, baby. I went into every character in my mind because there were no instructions. That did cross my mind. Do I leave the building? Do I not leave the building? If yeah. I'm, I know what to do in a fire. I know stop, drop, and roll. I know to get low, and and because smoke rises, I know to touch the door. If the door is hot, the fire is closed. I know all of these instructions, right? And I'm like, the, the stop, drop, and roll does not apply to this earthquake, people. Like, give me more information. Ugh. Well, I definitely know if you're... Ne- <laughs> well, we're glad you're safe, Vaughn. We're glad Thank you're safe. You. Now, Ant, um, so you are in California? That I did not realize. Yes, ma'am. I am just north of San Francisco, uh, right oh. near Santa Rosa. Wonderful. And then you are a freelance digital content creator. And I always see you on my timeline. And I really appreciate you for just being a follower. And your wife, she did fine using my video, just so you know. I was not upset at all for her using my audio. I just was trying to say, just put the credit. So you yeah. were like, I feel like I got her in trouble because it was so nice of her. Oh, no. she. Um, I, I tried to school her on that and, and she totally gets it. But um, yeah, we've been here since 2019. And I, when I'm not doing freelance stuff, I work Twit TV. We are a podcast network that's focused on consumer technology. And they hired me to come out here from Carolina. I started a photography show and I've been doing production. And I co-host on another show called This Week in Google, uh, where we talk about big tech every Wednesday for two hours, sometimes three hours. Don't know how we do it, but we do. (laughs) That's amazing. How for three three hours? Well, I guess with artificial intelligence, there's a lot to talk about. It's which crazy. There's a lot of Wednesdays. I'll leave that studio and I'm like, man, we, we were here for three hours and I had no idea. I mean, our conversations are just, we, we really enjoy each other's company. It's myself. I'm the, the primary host is Mr. Leo Laporte. He's the founder of the company. Jeff Jarvis is a CUNY a professor. He's also a co-host. And we have some other folks that come in from time to time as guests. Can yes. you or any of these people program the emergency alert people for? <laughs> <laughs> I can't, AI. but I know, I, I'm sure I know a handful of cats that could do that, though. Yeah, they do need <laughs> to work if on If AI is in charge of the emergency alert, AI is not good. <laughs> I, when, I, when I heard about the message that went out, the first thing that came to my mind is the fact that our leadership here in the U.S., the, nobody wants to admit this because of ageism, but... Man, some of the stuff is just beyond their years. People that are still into picking up the foldable newspaper and thinking that's the way to go. Well, 
that's sort of dying out too. That newspaper is now digital. And some people just really need to educate themselves on some of the technological advances that are out there and stop assuming that every uh, phone that you pick up is an iPhone. This is not an iPhone. It's just a phone. What but is there's that? a certain generation. <laughs> well, I'm saying there's a certain generation that assumes this is an iPhone. This is a Google Pixel. Oh, that's why we're like, oh, what? Okay. <laughs> are you an Apple person, Vaughn? I am. I tried to get an Android at a certain point and it was so user friendly and wonderful that my brain wouldn't connect to it. I'm like, give me the stretch back. I need Apple. Like, I couldn't. <laughs> it, it was so it was so easy that it was hard, if that makes any sense. I just was so used to Apple products that I just mm -hmm. couldn't I couldn't adjust. Um, but I, I do agree with what you're saying. I don't want to be that person that's like you get to a certain age, you got to go. Because as we get older, we don't want to feel irrelevant or unwanted either. But if you're not up to the task, if you're up to the task, fine. If you're up to date, you're keeping up to date, fine. Doesn't matter the age. However, if you're Mitch McConnell and you freeze <laughs> and they got to plug you back in every five minutes, what's happening? Right. Yeah. So I, I, Has there I been anything official? Or is anything official on his health status? I was like, did he have a stroke the first time or what? I haven't well, seen anything. Have you, Marina? I haven't seen any specifics about what it is. They just keep saying he's cleared to work again. And then he freezes again. I'm, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's like a like a glitch, like when Wi-Fi isn't working. But I, I think that he is, I think they're keeping it a secret. And because he's one of the seats they need to keep. So it's, it seems Republicans always do what they need to do. Like Democrats are so too transparent and Republicans are like, we need to just like Feinstein, everyone in the, Dem they're like, she needs to, but like with <coughs> Mitch McConnell, they're like, we need to keep that seat. So we're not going to tell you, we're not going to disclose the information. We're going to just keep on seeing him freeze. Now I do want to get into these conversations quickly because I think sure. they're so important and so relevant. And we bring up AI all the time and, and you text me or you sent me an audio, which was more interesting because then I can't screenshot your conversation. <laughs> I love how guys do write. that. I love that. <laughs> but you were so passionate about it. I was like, come on the show. <laughs> so can you tell me what it was that we said that triggered you? I, don't, I know you weren't triggered, triggered like a millennial, but what triggered you to talk about AI with us and well, you all being amazing content creators, I understand the angst that you can have about artificial intelligence. And unfortunately, our 24-hour news services are doing nothing but fear-mongering us and, and just telling us how AI is going to be the end of the world. And nobody really talks about some of the things that AI can be, can be used to make things a little bit easier for a creator or for anybody that can just really harness the power of it to make their job easier. Nor is there any middle ground. <laughs> it's always just sort of gloom and doom or people are overselling it the way they did NFTs. But you all were speaking about that as well as talking about Miss Sarah Silverman's issue. And there's a, there's a bit of a mess going on there because the story is she's suing open AI because of copyright infringement. And what, what these AI models are doing is they, they're basically going out and scraping the public internet to try to learn. 
just as you and I would is we, we just soak up as much information and try to learn from that information that we've gathered. The public internet is going to have a lot of good stuff and it's going to have a lot of bad stuff. It's going to have a lot of pirated stuff out there. And there are going to be some instances where you can put some filters in place to say what, if it comes from dot so-and-so.com, I'm not going to allow that as part of my, my data model. But if it comes from someone reputable, such as Good Morning America, sure, let's put that in our data model. And so when Sarah Silverman does a book tour or any author or creator does a book tour, they're probably going to do all of these different interviews. They're going to end up on the public web with reputable people that have read the book, that did a summary of the book. And the AI is just going to gather all of that up and say, you know what? This book was summarized by so-and-so and here's the, here's the report that they said. And a lot of people tend to forget that you know, public knowledge is, is public knowledge and good for everybody. Well, I guess the question for Sarah is, as I was reading the article and then I was reading more on what you talked about. Oh, TB is here. Thank you, TB. And TB wants to say, I don't trust any of the AI and try not to use it, but I'm sure it happens when I don't know it's happening. And I guess the thing is, is I agree with you, Ant. There are some good things. There are some bad things, right? Like the good thing I saw was in Israel, they were able to perform a surgery on a man that been within hours, which would have normally have taken three weeks. So I Mm. do agree like with health, it's going to be transformed. It's going to be mind-blowing what it can do for us, right? Mm-hmm. But where, I, where my concern is and what I hear Sarah in, and I'll just read this real quick so our listeners understand what her case is about. As Silverman's current lawsuit against AI projects argue that AI platforms did not secure her and other authors' permission for using their works before violating intellectual property law. As well, they gained access to these books via libraries of pirated texts. As the suit's co-attorney Matthew Butterick put it, creators' work has been vacuumed up by these companies without consent, without credit, without compensation. And that is not legal. So Silverman joined two other authors, novelists Christopher Golden and Richard Cadry in these suits. And after they, they didn't secure Silverman and other authors' permission, before using their copyright works, including her 2010 autobiography, The Bedwetter, their civil complaints are seeking class action status, which, if greenlit by the court, means that many, many more writers could take actions against these companies. So I guess my question is, like, before AI became a conversation, was this not happening with Wikipedia, with Google, with... Exactly. That's exactly my point right there. That information was out there for before, before AI became prominent, because AI has been around a long time. It hasn't just popped up in the last five years. It's been around decades, at least. Um, but Wikipedia was out there, and Wikipedia is sourced by volunteers that are putting information out there about you, Ms. Marina, about you, Ms. Vaughn, and it could be credible, and a lot of times it could be full of mistakes. But people will still swear by it at times. So this is really, I still don't think this is any different here. When they mentioned in the case uh, that they were sourcing pirated sites, I want to know how can they confirm that it was sourced from pirated sites? I never really saw that discussion. Uh, and there was another line I got to switch out because there was a line that I highlighted and I wanted to bring it up. Uh, where did it go? 
uh, it says, if a user prompts ChatGPT to summarize a copyrighted book, it will do so, uh, says the suit. Both suits claim that these language models are illegal and are under copyright. The key phrase there is summarizing the copyrighted book. And again, if uh, Becky Worley or someone wants to summarize the Bedwetter book, she's going to do it on Good Morning America. Good Morning America is going to put it on their website. Good Morning America is going to run a TV segment. Good Morning America is going to run a YouTube segment. So all of these platforms are public knowledge and can be scraped because people will want to embed them on their blogs and things like that. And all of that's totally fine. And the AI is just going to do the exact same thing. So I don't know if they have a leg to stand on, but yes, we should have some things in place, different guardrails and different filters with AI. Um, but we, we really need to get everybody in the room together with the creators. We need to get some of the government regulators in there to educate them because they're assuming a lot of the worst, too. So. So. I see this in a, in a more broad sense. I hear what you, you're saying in terms of AI being used in a promotional sense of us as artists. Right. If we have a book, if we have a film, if we have a whatever. Can people critique it and review it, et cetera, et cetera? Is there going to be promotion? Sure. I get that side of it. The side I'm more concerned about is the straight up stealing. Okay. You cannot mm-hmm. take someone's name and likeness and, mm-hmm. and sound or, and at this point data and then claim it as your own, remix it, make it into something else. That is stealing. I remember I read an article. I believe it was Ice Cube. I think it was Ice Cube. Uh, Marina, you, you could look it up while I'm saying it. But he spoke. <laughs> oh, I thought you, you meant look to, up Ice Cube. I know who Ice Cube no, is. No, no. I mean, what I'm, what I'm talking about, because <laughs> oh, this, oh, this reference didn't come to me until just now, because I would have looked it up before we started. But he spoke on it recently in terms of looking at his data, his sound, his name and likeness like you would um, a sample in music, like Mm -hmm. rap music use a lot of samples, but they have to pay for the licensing of these samples. And his thing is in in terms of music, because AI flooded the social media forums like recently a lot with people doing people's music, this person doing this person's song. And I believe it was Ice Cube. He was the one that said, look, you, you cannot use my name, likeness, sound. Just like I have to pay for samples for music, you have to pay me for any part of my data. And I agree with that wholeheartedly across yep. the board. And just let me throw this in about Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I told you this, Marina, but I recently found out that there's a wiki feat. And I'm on wiki feet. Wiki feet. <laughs> Scrape the internet and social media of any point where there were pictures of my feet, compiled a page, and it's like three million views. And I'm mm-hmm. not sure if they're running ads, I'll have to double check, but Wiki Feet <laughs> owes me money for my name and likeness. And you know what I'm saying? Those are my well, feet. You can't just take my feet and create a page. I didn't authorize this, and I have no idea. A lot of us, especially artists that are trying to figure out a way to protect every part of us from head to toe and all of yeah. our data, our sound, our likeness, our personalities, our abilities, everything. We're trying to figure out, well, how do you protect it? I'm not saying get rid of AI. I'm saying protect it, create some laws, 
uh, to Ice Cube's point. Yeah. yeah. Where, look, if you want to use my name, likeness, data or whatever it's being called in the AI world. Sure. Let's talk about it. You can't just yep. swipe it. Yeah, I think like Aunt, you were saying, like, we need to be in the room. Like, and I think what Ice Cube, I found the article. Um, okay, he said, good. I think it's terrible. I think it's going to make people, and this is what stood out to me, is I think it's going to make people lazier and less creative. He further illustrated his point by drawing a parallel with on-screen acting, adding, could you imagine if I decided to not do a sequel and the movie company said, we have the rights to your likeness. We're going to put you in this sequel whether you want to be or not because we have the right to. So now they use AI to put Ice Cube in a movie and I don't want to be in. Saying things I don't want to say. Doing things I wouldn't do. So to me, that's terrible. Or taking an artist that passed away and having him do a new song with lyrics they may not agree with. It's a slippery slope. So I think it's true. You got to have artists in the room. But I think going back to like the Sarah Silverman argument with language, right? Because that's what you brought up in your audio um, that I re-listened to clearly is about LLM, the language Large, large language, language model, which I didn't understand before reading and listening to you is that AI is learning through LLM. So like when you write an email and it finishes the sentence for you, mm-hmm. that's LLM and they're learning. And I think what Sarah's argument from what I remember too, is that she did not like them using her book for that purpose to teach the, you know, how to continue or what words or languages and that's where she really had a problem as well. And I do believe that she should be paid. And I think we retroactively, like going backwards, like Google got away with a lot. Um, all of these platforms, Wikipedia gets away with a lot. I even see sometimes when they put things wrong in my Wikipedia page. I'm like, who put that in there? And then it gets reported. <laughs> oh, but so I, I do feel like as far as language goes, I'm a little concerned about LLM because the way we talk, right, like the Urban Dictionary, if it's all learning from these white developers, <laughs> like the way I write, my, my best friend used to always say to me, Marina is nothing, and she's Puerto Rican, but she's like, I love, and she's English writer. Teacher, she said, I always loved reading my black students. Um, The way they wrote was so different. Mm -hmm. So this is where I get a little concerned about, are we all starting to just repeat each other and become one voice? Not like culturally diverse in that large language model. Now go. I know that was a lot, but I just (laughs) wanted to get that in. No, you you bring up good points here. And to Mick Gibrew... Dr. Tamit Gibru. She used to work at Google as part of their AI research team and was let go controversially. And she's basically been pounding the pavement for the last two to three years, trying to, to let everybody know that, look, we need more people like her that look like us, people of color, in the rooms when it comes to building these large language models to help us figure out truly what our voice sounds like. So it's not really just homogenous, if you will, to figure out why when police forces decide to use some type of AI facial recognition, it continues to to do a lot of false positives for people of color. There's a reason for that because it wasn't trained properly. 
So we need to get people like her um, to continue to be out there just just waving the flag and say, hey, we need to fix these systems and we need to have our leadership get involved and listen to her as well. I believe that they call it stochastic parrots. There's a book that's out, Stochastic Parrots, that talks about this a good bit. Stochastic parrots? Stochastic parrots. Basically, it, AI is just repeating <laughs> what it sees. It doesn't necessarily have a meaning behind it. It's just repeating what it sees, just, just the same way a parrot learns to talk from us. They don't know what they're saying. They just hear us talking. So they just right, repeat I think, I think that's dangerous across the board. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if you eliminate the race of it, right? Just you as an individual soul that wakes up into this awareness in this human experience, right? You're discovering who you are. I don't like when my phone finishes my sentences. I don't care if it's in a black voice, a white voice, a Puerto Rican voice. It's not my individual human spirit voice that is saying it. and, And I think the danger of that with young people who don't know who they are yet, the suggestion, the over and over suggestion of what you're about to say when you don't know who you are, like, I know who I am. I'm like, hey, phone, I wasn't going to say that. But a a young person or even an older person who does not who they are, that's not completely awakened to who they are, Mm -hmm. will take all of these suggestions and then they don't even know what their own suggestion is. That is very dangerous in general. And what's what's unfortunate is that there, there are opt out options when it comes to a lot of the AI stuff that's out there, but it's so buried deep (laughs) into the terms of services. Most people are not going to go through and read all of those terms of services and uncheck that box because it's just full of legalese and a bunch of jargon. Adobe, uh, I'm a photographer, content creator, so I use Adobe products. I'm an authorized Adobe affiliate. Adobe supposedly got in trouble a couple months back about its AI and how it's training its AI models. In a recent update to their software, because I'm a person that doesn't have much of a life, when updates come up, I read what is changing in the software that I'm using. I will go through and read line by line, what are they going to change? And Adobe's clearly said in one of those recent updates, hey, with your permission, we'd like to take your images, your videos, your clicks in our software, to help train our AI so we can make our AI better. If you agree to this, check here. If you don't agree to this, don't check here. And most people didn't read that. Exactly. (laughs) When it's time to update Instagram, everybody's just check, check, check. Nobody's reading the 4,000 pages. Who knows what you're agreeing to? And and what about the script? I know they, they, they make you read like a a thing for 30 minutes so can grab your voice so that you can then like, which I kind of want to do only because like, it's hard to do the intro every week fresh. And I just want to go ahead. I want to hear AI sing in Marina's voice. (laughs) I can't remember the service we use, but we we use a voice AI capture at the studio for Mr. Laporte from time to time. But I can't remember the name of the service. I'd have to get back to you. But I'm sure we've read through it and found that, hey, it's safe. We still own the rights to this. It's not something that they can just go out and have somebody else saying, hey, he's Leo Laporte. When the Leo Laporte is actually sitting right here next to me. 
Right. I, you know what, Vaughn? I think, do you have headphones on? I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing a little bit of an, you do. I do. Oh. I have on my beat. Oh, every now and then I hear a little bit of an echo. You know what it is? I think because, I don't know. I, I just hear a little bit. Huh. Is there a volume on your? Um, check, check. On, I don't. I don't ask AI. I don't know if there's. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, TV. Are you saying it could be fun to have Vogel Vogel Maps talk to me in Marina's voice? Not Vogel. Oh, Google Maps. Oh, you would like my voice to tell you which way to go to give you directions? That be- yes. But they have to pay me. Which brings us back to my point. What I love what Sarah's doing is she's bringing up the point of we've been getting away with this for way too long without paying the original artist for what it's training you for. Right. So it's, if it's going to train LLM and it's going to be part of that, and that is the thing that they admitted that they used, they used her book for training purposes, mm-hmm. you do have to pay. I do feel the artist should be paid. I agree. Absolutely. Because so, then you cannot continue because as is saying is that AI could come to a halt if, if this suit... And it's a very important one that she's brought up. If it were to award her and then things were, you know, AI, well, like it's going to stall it. It's going to take some time because they have to get permission from every artist mm-hmm. to use it as a training model. And they will get, but I mean, I do want to move on to this. I just want to read this from her. The discovery phase of Silverman's lawsuit could potentially lift the veil on how these systems work, which is really important. That, that's part of what these cases are really about. Let's open the black box. Let's see what's inside. We're going to learn a lot more about exactly how the models work and what the training data is. There's not a lot of transparency there. And I think particularly if your model is based on pirated books already, that's a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. You're copying books without permission, and that's infringing. So I'm with Sarah on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do say, though, and I think that it's, I feel that AI is extremely helpful in a lot of ways. Like you could do it like with podcasting, yep. with, with Canva. It's going to fly your DJ. <laughs> I was thinking about DJs who pass out flyers on the street. Mm-hmm. That's going to change that whole market like those guys i was at the chosen few picnic in harlem you do i guess yeah at every after every party and i asked the guy go you're still handing out flyers he's like i have a whole story they could do a whole documentary on those guys wow he goes i got so many stories he's like yeah it's a business now i guess that's the other part of ai that can be kind of tragic it could make them no longer useful. You know, we talk about on our show this week in Google, plug there, uh, we talk about AI, quote unquote, taking jobs. And some, yeah, some things can be eliminated for a good reason because it can basically speed up workflow. Uh, If there's a lot of data entry going on, you could probably train a computer to handle that data entry a lot faster than, handle, than a person can and be able to get more in over a week's period or over a month's period. And all of that just adds up to more dollars for the company. And I can think back to 
several years ago for a company I used to work for, and I used to be in an IT department. And the CEO at the time, when we were working on a new project and figuring out a way to do a lot of this automatic processing things, it wasn't AI, but it was still an automatic processing. His message to us was, yes, keep working on this because now we're going to allow you to do some other things with, that's going to require a little bit more brain power and empower you to, to be able to build other things that's going to make it bigger and better and stop doing some of this mundane, repeatable task over and over and over. And, you know, Miss Marina, I know your sister is a great photographer. She's yeah. probably using some of the tools inside of Photoshop uh, when she does headshots for you or what have you and wants to go and pull you off the background and put you onto a new background. Back in the days, that used to be a tedious task. Now, I, you could literally just click on your face and it will select all of you perfectly, hair and everything, and pull you off of the background. And again, that was a repeatable task that AI solved. Wow. You're saying that it's opening us humans up to other jobs. I think so. I think I so. My point of view on that is I, I do get the fact that there will be jobs lost, but there also will be new jobs created. And right, I don't have a right. problem with advancement, right? Using Marina's sister as a great example. She did my photos, by the way, and they're phenomenal. But I, so if you think back before there were cameras, right? There were people, you would sit down and you would be still <laughs> right. for three hours, like on three Titanic. Hours, Remember minimum. Rose on Titanic when she sat there and Leonardo <laughs> was sketching her? I bet she would have loved Marina's sister to come in and just go click, 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 click. So, and, and there was an episode of Family Matters. I don't know if you guys remember this, but the mom was being let go. This was the episode where she was being let go. She was an elevator operator. And advancement in elevator technology means there's no more people that, remember there were elevator operators. Yeah, and she yeah. was losing her job because elevators are now fully equipped with the technology where you don't need a person to open the door. So sure, our world is always in motion and always moving and always advancing. And I love that about our world. And I just think that if we start to think in a broader sense, we yes, there will be jobs lost, but there will be jobs created as well if we're able to expand our mind. Now, the the rapid pace in which it's happening is crazy to me. I'm Gen X. But to someone who's like my daughter, who's Gen Z, and even the generations of the, the children are, that are being born now, this is going to be nothing to them. This right. is crazy fast. To, I can't keep up with the updates on my phone, you know, but <laughs> a 12 year old that has the same phone right now is like, just, just give it to me. It's just driving me Zipping crazy. Let me do it, it yeah. for you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that's my point of view on that. Yeah, no, I agree. It's just, and I think you're right about the speed of it. But what concerns me is the ones who've also created it are the ones who have been talking about their concerns. So I do have to say, like, the concerns that they have is, like, in this one article, cybersecurity experts are warning about a new type of AI attack. Now, this is this week. The UK's National Cybersecurity Center, NCSC, issued a warning this week about growing danger of prompt 
injection attacks against applications built using AI. While the warning is meant for cybersecurity professionals building large language models, that's LLM, which we're talking about, and other AI tools. So there's been a, a growing number of prompt ejection attacks on the AI system. Uh, a prompt injection is where an attacker inserts a prompt that subver subverts any guardrails that the develop. Ugh, let me get my reading. Hold on. I haven't smoked weed in a month, and I did last night. AI, can, AI, can you please talk to Marina? <laughs> this is taking too long. Marina is, she's, she's freezing like Mitch McConnell. Keisha, Keisha coming in. So prompt injection, what is it? It's where an attacker inserts a prompt that subverts any guardrails that the developers put in place. So the prompt injection is a kind of attack against that LM. LM, which we're talking about, that powers both chat bot and chat GBT. <laughs> and it mm -hmm. could mean outputting harmful content to deleting important information from a database or yep. conducting illicit financial transactions. That's scary as shit. Yeah. Okay, yeah. go, Ant. Uh, this this harkens back to back in the days when we first got online banking and there yes. used to be what was called SQL injection or SQL injection attacks. SQL stands for structured querying language. And you use SQL uh, in IT to pull data, to, to build report uh, or, or heck, just any system that, that has a bunch of data. When you go to populate it on a screen or print it out onto a page, it's using code called SQL. Well, we learned through uh, cybersecurity hacks that if you were to go to bank.com, whatever your bank is called, .com, and in the username and password fields that are on the screen, you could put in code SQL to extract data. Now that's been fixed now, and that's what's gonna have to happen here. Uh, with these large language models, because it's pretty much the same type of attack. It's a little more sophisticated, but it's still the same type of uh, fundamental attack. Now, I read that story and it talked about getting into email and getting into some other applications. And all of that makes sense. But we can protect ourselves as users by using multi-factor authentication tactics or 2FA. And if you what? go to log into 2FA, two-factor authentication. Uh, if you go to log into your bank nowadays, they will send you a text message to say, hey, is this really you logging in? That's two-factor authentication. And unfortunately, everybody does not do that with everything. I've been compromised. Um, I've been compromised twice in my life. I don't know why I'm a target, but... <laughs> it, Where? Been On your, like what? Online. On I've Instagram? I've had one of my bank accounts compromise one time years ago on Christmas Eve. Just, I don't know why I'm a target, but you're a target because you trying. have a lot of smart friends. Maybe that's why. It's your own people. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. It's your own people sometimes. It'll be yeah, your I, own I, people. Been, they know how to disguise themselves too. Oh my goodness. Jackasses. All of them. <laughs> See, all but my yeah, friends are I, dumb. I, 
except Marina. But no, I get a little, I get a little bit more, I'm not going to say paranoid, but I try to think three times when it comes to using usernames and passwords and logging into things, even if it's Instagram or whatever, I turn on two-factor authentication. So if you have two-factor authentication and use a service such as uh, this here called Authy, where it forces you to put in a six digit code after you put in your password. Only you will have that code because it's on your phone. The problem that I have with banks sending a text message to you after you try to log in, that's not secure because text messages are going through your phone's SIM card. Okay. And SIM cards get hacked all the time. Oh, so. yeah. Where are those SIM cards? Oh, I was about to return a phone and I said, wait, let me take that little, let take me look and see that little <laughs> SIM card. Is that in there? Yeah. Those things get hacked all the time. Um, but yeah, as far as what AI is doing, yes, it could potentially be a problem with this stuffing. But again, we as users can still put some things in place to help protect ourselves until they figure out the filters and other guardrails inside of the, the AI projects that are out there. I feel like everything under the sun in rotation, right? Every time there's an advancement of anything, we all get scared and then it's figured out and then we're okay. And then here comes the next wave of the next thing. So I just got to the point in my life where it's like, okay, I'm not going to be afraid. I'll try and keep up as best as I can and be as protective as I can. But let's let's circle back to 1999 when everybody thought the world was going to end. (laughs) <laughs> at the strike of 2000. <laughs> so it's, it will be fine. We will be fine. It's just yeah, we're always... going through. It's an amazing time to be alive, right? To witness. I've witnessed so much so far in my life. I'm actually mm-hmm. excited to see what the next couple of decades look like in terms of all of this. And to circle back to what Marina, I believe it was Marina earlier brought up about health advances and The idea that something that could take weeks, could take hours, and now you're healthy and you're living longer lives. This is all good news. There's great news in this. But just give me my money for my wiki feet. That's it. Well, I guess the thing that I... For your wiki feet. The thing that I do see, like, the advantages of, for example, like grocery shopping and not having to deal with someone being rude to you at the the, uh, checkout. But then the other side of that is human interaction is suffering. The way we deal with each other, socials, like we've seen that from just Instagram and, and what is real is not real. And we just had a guest on in the episode that's prior to this one about dating apps using AI and how in my guest who was on the show, dear Franny, she was very clear on that this will absolutely destroy you on dating apps because how do you know the person is real? The amount of people who go on there to, to try to like steal your information will be more rampant on dating apps and also it will keep you on the dating app. And that's really the purpose of dating apps, which I did not realize until I had her on, was that dating apps really are meant to keep you on it. Mm-hmm. So, Same goes with most of the social media all of that, apps as yeah. well. I have to now, date not 
been on a dating app. I was one of those people that it came from a generation when it started. And it was like, ooh, that's weird. Only weirdos have to do that. Remember that phase of dating apps and, and online dating? It was like, oh, that's for people who can't give someone a look. I never <laughs> crossed that. I always felt like stranger danger. I I don't even like dating someone that I don't know through someone through someone. Because it's like, you right. the killer. Like, somebody going to know you the killer. Because Marina, I'm telling Marina, I'm going out with you. So if something happened... She has my location, the whole nine, and we we know your whole family. But that that stranger danger never got out of my system, so I never participated in the dating apps. I certainly thought about it. I just never really crossed over into it. So uh, some of the things that you just mentioned that are a concern, to me, those things, was it real? Was it this? Is it that? All, All of that was already a concern for me before AI. So now it's, that's when it comes to stranger danger and all of this, that's really, really terrifying to me. Well, that's what I'm really, my biggest concern is the, is that AI is always going to be tested by those who have bad intentions on so many Mm -hmm. levels. That's my real concern. And like you said, these the older people in Congress who aren't really paying attention to that is my is where I get worried mm-hmm. because they will always test it. It will till the end of time. And so I think just like global warming, there was a time when we needed to step in. I feel like AI, there's a time where we need to regulate. And it's now. Mm-hmm. Because I was watching the telemarketing show on HBO. Max, it's about telemarketing and how they were for the fraternal brother of police and how that was a biggest scam and how they were robbing. Someone was giving them money every day. An 80-year-old man was giving them money every day, not Aww. knowing. Yeah, and that's, what, that's where my that's concern so lies. Yes, and that's where I, I'm going to be in that age group. Mm-hmm. At some point when AI is really at its peak, I am worried about those senior citizens who don't know this, this whole system and how to protect them. No one seems to care about protecting senior citizens at all when it comes to technology. And I mean, I don't know what Congress is doing about that, but there should be some protection. I go on Delete Me every I'm on Delete Me, which uh, is... What is sponsor? Delete Me? You want to tell them, Aunt? Go ahead. Um, Delete Me Aww. has sponsored our network here in the past. And That's so sad. Sponsoring us. But they are a service that basically scours the internet for all of the, the information tied <laughs> to you and will get it pulled down. Uh, they will send out requests to a lot of the different data brokers out there and spam lists and things like that and just start pulling it down. I highly, highly recommend it. Some people think like, it's too expensive. It. It's worth it. It gets I am sh- on it as it soon as we are done. Line. As soon as we are done, I am. It's called delete me. That's what you said. Mm-hmm. Delete me. Right. I'm starting with Wikipedia. I'm offended by WikiFeet. <laughs> WikiFeet is more popular than me. My WikiFeet page is more popular than me as a comedian. I don't even have, even have a regular news. Wikipedia page. I'm on it's it. Not it's not even fun. I got news for you. It's my feet. Oh, it's my feet. Oh, honey. <laughs> It's my feet. I got some nice no, I'm feet. Just saying, I understand. I'm just saying they didn't get the information right. What's, I understand crazy why they have trendy. three million plus views on my toes. Okay. 
<laughs> Marina's foot is, the, is in actuality me. the one that's trending. <laughs> No, that's well, great listen, information. It, I never heard of yeah. Delete Me. I'm I'm excited to go online after we're done with this and see how much stuff I could delete. It was a bit of a challenge for me, a personal challenge for me was when I would go to Google.com and search for my name to see what pops up. And the list that pops up, the happier that I am. And Delete Me is really helping with cleaning that stuff up. Oh, I had crazy stuff on there about me. And I was like, that's not me. Right. So I ha- when I went to Google, and then I don't want no one knowing my age. So <laughs> I had to go in there and be like, no. And then on Google, even with Delete Me, Google will still keep things after you've used a service like Delete Me. And Google still keeps old information. So you actually yourself have to go in and say, hey, this is old information, Google. Please take it down. Yep. And then they'll go, oh. Sorry, we didn't yep. see that. It's all in their terms of services that no one reads. <laughs> Girl, it's crazy because people will this try to find you. And- just keep it. All the inf- wrong information, I- just keep it. That was just too much work. <laughs> I changed my mind. I'm not doing none of it. <laughs> keep my feet. Now, the, the ethics, as we've been talking about, and the future of, of where large language models are heading. So nearly all of the recent AI advances are are portrayed as eye-catching and headline-grabbing and altogether remarkable, perhaps even sensational, especially how with the growth of large language models are going. But some suggest that with, and this person, by the way, I don't know if if you really went through this Forbes article, they sound like they hate LLM on (laughs) a level that they even apologize throughout the article. Like, some of you may want to attack me, but... Forbes by Lance Elliott, just so who was upset. (laughs) (laughs) He's a, the skeptics doubt that they argue that LLM are potentially going to be an AI dead end. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. What do you think? So to the LLM, this is all about pushing words around here or there strictly based on pattern matching. The human would seemingly know what the words mean and why the words are being used. The LLM does not possess the same semblance of comprehension. Do you think, this is my question, do you think that will change? I think it's a societal thing because they're spot on right here. Artificial intelligence isn't necessarily intelligent. It's just basically regurgitating the data that it's been been scraping for however long it's been scraping it. And these large language models are fine to be place and allow us to have extra tools. Right? Do you think right. that LLI will at some point not be so artificial in its intelligence? Well, it, we call it artificial intelligence, but it's not, quote, intelligent. It is literally just, just regurgitating what it learned from a, a big, huge data set. And I think we can, we should still continue to have these large language models out there because there is a time and a place for AI tools. But at the same time, we should have more people in the room when it comes to training these large language models, uh, putting better information out there for the AI to quote unquote learn from. I, again, I don't want to come off as just like, all hell AI, but I also don't want to come off as AI is just going to be the doom of all of us. I think there's a balance. Yes. 
So AI is judged by the ethical principles of transparency, justice and fairness, non... Now this word, I, I can't read sometimes. This word is hard for me. <laughs> somebody get her, somebody get her a bowl. Non... <laughs> what we learned, what we learned in this episode is Marina can't read. <laughs> yeah, Non-maleficence. What is that? Maleficence. Maleficence? Yes, non-maleficent. Isn't that a cartoon character? Thought so. <laughs> Look, at this point, I maybe, can't read either. Jeez. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's good that I can't read. Maybe that's where I need AI. Responsibility, <laughs> privacy, beneficence. <laughs> <laughs> What's, they coming up with words now. Freedom and autonomy, trust, sustainability, dignity, and solidarity. Yeah. Yeah. Tell AI that they don't even know what dignity is. Marina you know, just it, pulled out the one word she could say. And <laughs> again, this is a, another good point about all of this AI stuff and far as content creation. I personally don't worry about it too much because it, it, it's not going to have that human emotion when it comes time to write a book, unless it's just going to be a book based on facts. That's a different story. But if it's, if someone's trying to write the next dramatic novel or what have you, I think you can use AI as a starting point, but have a human come in and say, you know what, let me refine this a little bit. Let me turn this knob here, turn that knob there to make this picture even more vivid to the reader. Because I, again, computers are just, they give you what you put into them. You hit A on your keyboard right. and A pops up on the screen. That's all it knows. It's very binary. And what, that, can I, that's a great point. If I could jump in there right there, because even like with films, books, television series, whatever, what have you, it comes down to the people, the viewer, the consumer. As a person on the opposite side of the fence, if I'm not thinking of myself as a creator, when I think about what I want to consume, well, it comes down to the people saying, I don't want to see a film that's completely AI generated or I'm not going to mm -hmm. read this book because it's not going to have that soul. It's not going to have that human, human right. aspect of it. But if the people, if the consumers don't say no, you know, big brother in charge of it, that's going to make all these all this money. They're not going to say no. So it's really up to the people and the consumers right. to put a halt on some of this as well. There's a lot of AI content out there on, that are being published in certain news sites or what have you, um, because they're a simple story. All right. So September is the Apple iPhone month. That's very easy to write about. It's going to be the iPhone 15, 15 Pro. It's going to have a six inch screen. All of that is just black and white facts of the matter. And AI can write that story out. The phone was announced. This is what it looks like. This is how much it costs. This is when it'll be available to you. Blah, 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 blah. No emotion. Boom. And AI can put that up there and people will read that because they want the meat and potatoes of the of the news. Now, yes, another journalist can come in and say, hey, I was at the Moscone, not Moscone Center, the Steve Jobs Center and watched this presentation. And the room was filled with emotion about this new phone. And when they showed this and it, that's an, a much more interesting story that and people will click on that as well. Yeah. So again, there's the time and place both. That's reminding me of the dating apps of like how AI can 
pick your photos, right, that are most likely to be picked. Or, mm-hmm. But as she was mm-hmm. explaining, that doesn't mean just be, that means you're getting more hits. That doesn't mean that you're getting more dates. Right. So you're not getting the emotional investment in a relationship that you want. You're just getting liked from the most popular picture that they're saying people are going to click on, which keeps mm-hmm. you on the app. Right. Right. Same thing. And so, so your point about the phone, that was a great example. It made me think which article would I rather read in terms of getting that new phone. And in this particular aspect, my mind says, read the one just with facts. I don't need someone's emotional influence on this person. I want to have the facts so I can make the decision for myself. And a lot of times, a lot of these articles and promos for new products where they want you to spend your money is filled with passion and emotion and influence of people's perception of it. So if you're just getting the black and white facts of it, you're forced to make your own decision. And I like that better. Oh, oh well, look at you. So do you just want to rub I mean, out I for a guy? Good, <laughs> you did. <laughs> but like if it's Girl, dating. You saw, no, no, no. You, you saw me skip over. <laughs> you saw me skip over the dating man thing. I said, let me go back to the phone. That's something I can, <laughs> that's something I can talk about because the man thing yeah, just AI generate. Send me a robot. I'm just, I'll buy a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to that prompt ejection thing, I forgot to mention this. They did say that it is incredibly hard. It's a, This is what the article is saying, is that it's a hard problem to solve. It is. It is. Um, because it's going to take some filters to be in place in these models. And it's just another one of those unintended consequences of a technological advance, just like the internet in general. The internet is a bunch of cables connecting us to any and everybody around the world. And that is a great thing, information. But it's also a highway that is wide open that allows someone with a mask on that can come in and just pick off your data if they know what they're doing. To the point of the dating app thing and and which picture will get a better like or um, get you a date. Here's my thing. And it already exists with filters and Instagram and all these social media apps where the yeah. people look way different than what they do in person. I pride myself on what you see is what you get. I don't look different in person. If I'm on a dating app and I have all these catfishing type pictures that are of me, but they're this look of me (laughs) that when you see me in person, that person might as the person who's dating me might as well get up and leave because I don't look like that. So if you're not a bad person looking to do something messy as far as dating apps go, let's say you just authentically want to find a match. Mm -hmm. When you want to put your authentic, this is what I'm self am self out there. And then the person, even if it's not a lot of dates, the person that actually clicks on that accepts what they're seeing. And then they see you in person and it's the exact same thing. And all of this is authentic. Isn't that better? Yeah. A hundred percent. But some people don't want that. That's what we talked about on the last show. But you would have had, you have to listen to that that episode. Well, that's my question. (laughs) No. Okay. Well, circle me back. Quick question. What is your goal in that? What do you want? That's What 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 is your goal? 
And that's an overall okay, question. I'll I think. To the episode. I'll to yeah, the you got to listen. It's a great episode about how not everyone wants the same things. And you have to know what that is and what is your values and what you want. And a lot of people don't think about that when they date. They just see the superficial. But superficial. I would say that applies to everything on the internet too. What is it that you want? You said you wanted quick information about the iPhone so you can make a, a very factual judgment as to whether you want to get the phone. You want it, You don't want an emotional sell of your phone. You want the facts. And that's... Right. But if I catfish you on a dating app... You better not catfish me, Vaughn. If I I catfish Marina, I'm on a dating app and she's swiping, swiping, swiping and she stops at me because she's like, oh, that's Tracy Ellis Ross. And then Vaughn shows up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well that's gonna be the problem what that's is the goal that's that's the thing is that some people just the the dating app is thinking of itself it's not thinking about us that's the thing that i think we have to remember as also with the products that we are buying be it baby powder to a phone the products are always thinking about themselves and not us so it's our job as we as we are on the internet and social media, it's our job to make sure that we're getting out of it what we want to get out of it. And I think that's Amen. the biggest lesson here. So just be careful. And thank you for like LLM. I never really understood it. I didn't know that it was like, because that was the crazy thing. I mean, could you just real fast, just to reiterate what LM I was about is. to say, do you understand it now? Can I get a, can I get a, a repeat of the lesson? I'm going to have Ant just give us a Sim- real good definition simplest, of it. Simplest definition. It is a very, very large set of data. We have a whole bunch of information in a box and we're going to allow one person to stand in that, stand at that box and pick through everything in it over and over and over again and learn as much as they can about what's in that box. And so when, they, when we have time to ask them a question, they can regurgitate back everything that was in that box. But think about it on a very, 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 very large scale. And it's just going through, and we have a ton of computing power, <laughs> as big as the globe, as Ms. Vaughn shows. We have a ton of computing power that can go through, just scan all of this data over and over and over again. And figure out, okay, this is ideal. This is not ideal. This is red. This is not red. This is money. This is not money. This is a black person. This is a white person. Do you know percentage-wise how many of us are in there controlling that data or helping feed the LL? I don't know percent, but I know it's very, very, very low. And I wanted to ask, that's a good question, because I wanted to ask you about this earlier. Because I mentioned we need to have more people involved when it comes to training these different models, especially people of color. Yeah. Would you be up to uh, submit yourself as part of the data set to train, say, hey, this is a black woman, age so-and-so. This is a black woman with short hair, age so-and-so. Would you be willing to put your face in that data set? If they pay me. (laughs) You got to pay me. That's going to be the answer. And they're going to use that also for the data set. Okay. They're going to have my answer go, if you pay me, motherfucker. Let let, let (laughs) me ask you for... Wait, 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 wait. How well do you know Marina? (laughs) 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 This data data is going to come with a lot of letters. 
<laughs> a lot yeah. of complaints about the noise. That's true. <laughs> a noise meter outside my window. Hilarious for a computer to go back. She writes lots of letters. She doesn't seem to be happy with anything in the world. Be very careful. Tread lightly. <laughs> Tread lightly. <laughs> go ahead, Anne. <laughs> but now, so, so let me ask you that question again. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to submit your your image, black woman, short hair, age so and so, smooth skin, to a company that is trying to to help people with eczema and identifying that properly? Mm, that's yes. a filter. Would you be willing to do that? <laughs> You're like that's a filter. You said that's a filter. Marie, be like, Marie's <laughs> first comment. Y'all need filters. No, uh, I would. I actually would. I think when it comes to health and I'm willing to take that risk for anyone, for breast cancer, for, yeah, for eczema, I am willing to take that risk. And, And you're right. I think what you've just brought up is that there needs to be a conversation in the Black community about artificial intelligence and its benefits because mm-hmm. we're so skeptical about everything that we yeah. may be leaving ourselves out of something that could actually benefit us. So, right. And are there any programs? I asked like that, that because there is a company, I believe they're called Melogix, and this is developed by a black man and he's basically trying to do a survey of showing what eczema is as far as the diagnosis of it on your mobile phone because a lot of times black folks go to the doctor and the doctor's like that ain't eczema and he's trying to help that out but at the same time i'm asking black folks hey would you help him train his large language model here his data model to further show this is what healthy skin looks like. This is what healthy black skin looks like. This is what unhealthy black skin looks like. And I got a lot of no's. You're the first person (laughs) to say yes to me in a long time on that question. Well, only because I'm thinking about the benefits of ultimately and how we leave ourselves out of so many things because we're skeptical. Like I think about trials, for example, in the hospital when I had, yeah. was going through breast cancer and they asked me if I would like to be a part of a trial, I was so nervous because I don't trust them that I said, hell no. Mm-hmm. But right. the thing is, is when I, what I'm hearing over and over again from doctors is we're getting less and less black individuals who do trials. So we don't have enough information. We don't have enough data to go by. And I think it's just a a simple thing of how are you communicating that to someone of color? If you're going to ask me to do a trial, don't just ask me to do a trial. Tell me why it's important. Mm-hmm. Like of what you just said. So, yeah. So these are, I, I'm so glad we had this conversation. I am going to move on to the importance of Labor Day because we are recording this after Labor Day. And it also goes with our conversation about why we're in writer's strike is because we're trying to protect our identity what were you thinking, I'll go with you, Aunt, about Labor Day on this particular year because of everything that's going on? What, any reflections or thoughts? Most of the time, this is, this is probably the first year that I felt somewhat different about it. Because most of the time with Labor Day, I never really thought much about it. It seemed like I was always working anyway, and I was always working by choice. And a lot of people 
would give me shit about that. And I'm like, Lord, I choose to work on this day and I am grateful to be able to have that option to work. So I, I tried to stay out of the Labor Day conversations. But here recently, thinking about all of this that's going on again with SAG and WGA and so forth, and all of these other unions that are finally being able to show some power and get these big corporations to say, you know what? Hey, we need these people. We need these people because they make this company. Yeah, it just felt different this time. It was a little bit more prideful for us as society, in my opinion, this time around. Thank you. Vaughn? I get Labor Day and Memorial Day confused every year. <laughs> my cousin one, one has the barbecue, one has the last day of wearing white there. <laughs> Did you wear white this weekend? <laughs> if, Marina, you know me. I, I do not follow people's rules. I will never remember that either because I will wear white at any point in time that Same. I feel like it. So, yeah, I respectfully to both holidays, I try to be that person that acknowledges something, but at the same time, feel like I don't have to have a specific day like a birthday to acknowledge whatever it is that holiday is acknowledging. So I did not work yesterday in terms of doing stand up, but I did work in terms of my own writing and the daily routine that I have, I did stick to that. Um, And I wasn't invited to any barbecues or cookout. I saw your video. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, that's okay. Mm. I haven't been invited Mm. to a barbecue Mm. either in a very long time. I don't know. Why I'm in LA, I'm still establishing my presence here, I guess. But it's whatever. I may have not went anyway because I did want to I've been going pretty hard lately and I do need to take that time for myself. So um, yesterday was a time uh, again, to your point, I love that I have the option. I am blessed to have the option because for a long period of time in my life, there was no option there. There was no Labor Day. Every day was a work day. You you have to survive. So I'm blessed to be in a a, a position, um, much to your point, that I can make those those choices. Amen. Amen. So I went to, I was in the Hamptons working. I don't have a house in the Hamptons. I'm not going to say, I have never been invited to the Hamptons. No, I don't have have a Hamptons home. I was working and then we just stayed an extra day because my friend, my Irish friend Lois, I always say my Irish friend Lois because I go into her accent, but she wanted to stay an extra day, which I usually don't do, but I said, okay. And then I didn't know they have a powwow, which they, well, so there is a, the Indians, I forget which tribe, I'm sorry, I apologize, but there is a specific tribe out there, which every, I guess, year they do a powwow where everyone comes and it's authentically, they hold it, they show the dances. And I thought that was probably one of the best ways to maybe settle in on a Labor Day weekend because you're looking at people who knew the land better than we did, who are no longer celebrated in such a way. Like they, like we moved out of the Hamptons into this area where you see trailer homes and everything was just poor. And I was like, how is it? that these individuals who knew the land more than we did, and you could go to Australia and see that, 
are the most, lack of a better word, disfranchised, not a pre, not really valued as they should be. And they still have their culture intact. And I'm watching them dance. They're doing their several dances. And I'm thinking, I do this every Friday, right? Yeah. And I never understood. We see your videos. We love it. You know what day it is. And I never understood why I did that. I mean, I kind of do, but now I really understood it as I was watching this very tribal cultural dance that means so much. It has a meaning to it, right? So, like every Friday, I do that instinctually, not knowing where it comes from. You know, so but I have now a question, I do. Marina. Yes. I have a question. Can you can you scale back just a little bit and explain the powwow? Is this something that is done every year for for Labor Day or did it just so happen to be what they were doing this particular weekend unattached to Labor Day? And is a powwow um, from your experience similar to a cookout slash barbecue, whatever you title it? Well, I'm going to ask A.I., <laughs> <laughs> you were there, Maria. You were there. AI was not there. It's world. It's powwows are celebrations. <laughs> Thank you, AI, of American Indian culture, where people from different indigenous nations come together to dancing and honor their ancestors. The term powwow comes from a curing ritual and originated. Not, not the term, not the term, but the day. This so the day is seventy seventh annual one. They obviously they took a break because of the pandemic. And it's the Shinnecock. Sorry for, I know it sounds, but the Shinnecock. Shinnecock. Yeah, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> Sorry. Shinnecock Indian powwow. They do it Labor Day weekend, September 1st to the 4th. They do it other days as well. I don't know the full schedule, but it's one of the largest ones, American gathering on the East Coast. And we were reminded that our culture and love for one another is the resounding heartbeat that transcends all that we face wherever we face it. And we dance upon our drum. The sound of the drum and our footsteps are recorded year after year within the drum that we dance upon. And we may be the only nation that dances upon its drum. So, and I had a spiritual moment there. I'm not going to lie, it was freaked me out. All Please. spiritual moments freak me out. This one in particular was me looking for just, you kind of go with your feelings. You go into certain markets, the tents, they all are selling things. And one woman mm -hmm. just was, she told me the, this one tent I went to, I had to walk away because she told me just the price of the item. Okay. Wow. So you're letting me know I can't afford it. Bye. Then I go into another <laughs> tent and this woman is definitely indigenous. And she looks at me and she goes, you're a comedian, aren't you? I go, what? She goes, I know you. She goes, you're funny. You, not only are you funny, you're good. I've seen you before. And then she said, and, I, and I'm always like, eh, how does she know that? Like, how does she know me? My, then she said this, I saw you on Byron Allen. Now we could do a lot of jokes about that, but. Oh, wow. That is an old ass reference that does not come up from just anybody. That means someone has watched yeah. me over the years. And that really blew my mind because I had a lack of trust until she said that. And then I looked at her and she said, and I mean this, she goes, you're good. And I freaked me out. 
And I looked at her and I said, I don't know how you, she goes, I can recognize you from behind. I can recognize you from the side. I know you. I know your face. And she says, I don't know why you're here, but you may have needed this place to mm. fill back up on something to tell you that you're good. Mm. Amen. I love that. That was my experience moments. at the Shinnecock Indian Power. <laughs> I love those. Well, oh. woo, woo. <laughs> All right. I that sounds like a great experience. It was, and my friend Lois, she had an experience with the general. This guy told her she wasn't, he could see that she was blocked for some reason. And he also said, he told her a story about how he said to a white man, why do you think this is your land to tell anyone that Mm. they can't be here? Mm. I was here before you. This is not your land. It's not yours. When you talk about immigrants, and she, he really sat her down and had that conversation. So I think it's just, a, it's, we'll leave it here. I think it's a good place to come to a close with everything well off of Labor Day weekend. I want to thank you so much, both of you, for joining me today. We always thank you, thank you for having me. Oh, you're so Freaking welcome, Vaughn. Vaughn, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes. Please follow me on Instagram and all the social medias are all the same at Vaughn DiCarlo. My website is funnyvaughnvon.com for easy links to all things that are me, including my upcoming headlining date. Yay, I have a few here in Burbank, California, which is very close to LA. I'm going to be headlining Flappers on September 14th. And then in Ontario, California, I am going to be headlining the Ontario Improv October 5th. And I'm jumping way ahead to the top of the year. I'm very excited to be doing my first weekend at the DC Improv. First weekend, top of 2024. We're going to set it off. Get your tickets now before you waste your money on Christmas gifts, please. Let's commit. <laughs> commit to a, me- a weekend with That's me. Awesome. <laughs> and that with is. friends like us, this is so obvious, but with friends like us, who needs AI? Yes. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> the most obvious who needs friends. That was, that was good. I'm a hack. I'm a hack of myself. <laughs> Believe in yourself. You need to go to the powwow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey, I powwow every morning at 7 a.m. You know, I meditate, levitate, be great. That is my mantra. That's right. Oh, That's that. right. <laughs> and Ant, thank you, Vaughn. And thank you so much thank- for coming on and telling us about really breaking down artificial intelligence and just being a listener of the show. And I do appreciate all of your tweets or X's. I don't know what they call it anymore <laughs> or threads now. So, and tell our listeners where they can find you. First off, thank you for the invitation. It is really an honor to be here. Yes, I am a listener. Listen to you every week and so glad to be here. You can find me on all of the social platforms, Ant underscore Pruitt. Uh, if you want to follow my Instagram stuff, uh, right now I'm utilizing that to promote my son because dad can't pay for college. So dad is in campaign mode. So that's what Instagram and YouTube is for at the moment. But also check out our shows at twit.tv, which is where I spend most of my time. And with friends like us, I had to write this down. You can guarantee you'll learn something from great conversation, be inspired to continue to unapologetically be you and smile when Miss Marina Franklin says, yes. Oh, 
goodness. <laughs> Thank you so much. Marina Franklin here. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. And with friends like us, it will be the powwow that you knew. <laughs> With friends like us. Marina can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> With friends like us, it'll be the powwow that you need to fill up on why you're good and what you need in the world that's good. So thank you. Check us Check out. Check us out. <laughs>